Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported. That means we truly depend on you in order to bring this resource to you. If you don't already support us financially, you could do so. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. You'll see our three friendly yellow buttons there. One says donate. The other says join our crew. The other says become a patron. Click on one of them and fill that out. If you'd like to support us the traditional way, you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Monday, June 3rd, 2019. Yeah, this this episode is disturbing. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Roseboro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and help you to slow down. Stop, open up your Bible, and compare. Compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. No shortage of crazy things being said out there. We take the time to open up God's Word to compare and contrast what the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-appointed apostles, and apostolettes, and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complex as those whom we need to be listening to, whose books apparently we need to be buying, and whose small group curricula we should be studying instead of the Word of God. Yeah, weird how that works. Over again, we demonstrate that the steady diet of doctrine that is put forward for consumption by the average evangelical is far from biblical, far from what God's Word says. It's just kind of a mess out there. So what we're going to do with this episode of Fighting for the Faith, and I should let everybody know that uh, voting for the Worst Easter Sermon of the Year contest will be opened through June 9th. Sometime uh, in the evening of June 9th, We'll take down the uh, the ability for you to vote, and our intention is on uh, Monday, June 10th, to have a live stream on YouTube. We'll play some Prophecy Bingo and announce the, uh, the winner of the uh, 2019 Worst Easter Sermon of the Year contest. And as of the moment, we do have a runaway... Uh, candidate, you know, as far as somebody who's running away with uh, the the vast majority of the votes, and I'm a little surprised by it, to be honest with you. The one I voted for, yeah, he, he's he's not tracking. He's he's not, he's not doing well. <laughs> Bummer for me. Anyway, all right. So let's talk about what we're going to do on this installment of Fighting for the Faith. We're going to do two things today. Um, we're going to start with, um, yeah, I, I, I'm not even sure what to do with this one. Uh, we're going to we'll kind of throw this into just it's got its own category. I almost feel like I need to work up some music for this, but I don't. 
So uh, we're we're gonna name the first segment the creepy category, the the creepy category, and the best way I can put it is that as I put fighting for the faith together. Uh, there's always a group of segments that, you know, video bites and sound bites that I find that end up in my database in the creepy category and not sure what to do with them. I have two of them that we're going to be bringing forward today uh, that I just consider to be just beyond the pale inappropriate uh, and uh, are such red flags that if you hear or see anything like these things, uh, you need to flee for your life. Something's really, really, really off. Is the best way I can put it. Uh, when we're done with the creepy category, you know, I'm gonna we'll, we'll take a break, pay some bills, and then we come back. We'll uh, check in with John Gray, the vision casting leader of a Relentless Church. Yeah, he used to work with. Um, he still does, actually. He still preaches over at Lakewood uh, on a frequent basis. But uh, he came from Lakewood with Joel Osteen and over to Relentless Church, which. Uh, used to be named differently and was uh, under uh, Ron Carpenter, but uh, since he's arrived there, they've changed the name, and he's been there for a year now. And we're going to listen to part of his message titled, When the Ravens Come. And this is like Jesus on steroids, is the best way I could put it. So that will be today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. Got a lot of ground we need to be covering, and uh, since I'm not sure where to throw this one, we'll kind of do this for this uh, segment on the creepy category. I didn't know you was going to start out with it. Looking for a city built above. Looking for a city where I'll never die. Where the saint in millions never say goodbye. There we'll meet our Savior and our loved ones too. So we're going to take a turn to the dark side, if you little, if you would. And as I research out, uh, you know, all the different segments that we do here at Fighting for the Faith, both for our YouTube channel as well as our podcast, there's a whole group of things that I encounter that end up in my database under the creepy category. And uh, oftentimes I don't bring the keep creepy category to the program because I'm not sure what to do with it. But uh, two things have uh, come to my attention as of late that, uh, that have made their way into the creepy category. And, uh, and I've decided to bring them both forward because here's kind of the idea. When you're dealing with something like this, that's this important where the, um, the implications, the consequences are as extreme as they are as it comes to like sexual sins and things like that. That, that, that being the case, when you see things like this, red flags should be going off and waving and horns should be blowing in your head and you should uh, hear the danger sirens going off and things like that. This is the kind of stuff 
yeah, this, this is a red flag run is the best way I can put it. So we're going to take a look at two instances of this. First, we're heading over to C3 TV on YouTube. And we're going to be listening to part of an interview from Simon McIntyre, who is a major leader within the C3 movement. And he's going to be discussing um, what he describes as an under-the-table checklist of things that he's looking for and discusses with up-and-coming leaders within the C3 movement. Okay. All of that being said, a little bit of a note here. If you go back into the archives of the Fighting for the Faith podcast, Simon McIntyre comes up in two instances of my podcast, and both of them are on the occasion of me interviewing Carrie Ferguson. Carrie Ferguson, this is a woman whose son was being raped by her husband, and church officials uh, that uh, church officials at the church that she churches she was attending kind of covered the whole thing up and. And, and weirdly enough, kind of sided with the molester and all of this. And so she had a face-to-face meeting with Phil Pringle during that time. And Simon McIntyre was part of the meeting. And in that meeting, he pretended to be an attorney for C3. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can hear that on the podcasts uh, with Carrie Ferguson. All that being said, we'll listen to him as he discusses this under-the-table checklist of things uh, that are, you know, things he's looking for, requirements for up-and-coming pastoral leaders within the C3 movement. And again, this is Danger Will Robinson stuff. This is almost creepily voyeuristic and weird. And then second instance, we're going to head down to the Trinity Church, and this is where uh, Cindy Jacobs uh, attends church. Yeah, Cindy Jacobs of the NAR. And uh, so this is an NAR church. And Reggie Dabbs is going to be preaching on Mark chapter 10. And the title of the sermon, the things that he says throughout the sermon as we sample it are, the, 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 the let's just put it this way, the sexual innuendo and the double entendre is like, no, 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 no. There's something really, really, really off here. Not only is this inappropriate, uh, it just is the kind of thing where where there's smoke, there's possibly fire, avoid like the plague, run is the best way I can put it. So when you hear and see things like this in your church, run. Just, just don't pass go, just run, leave the building, flee something's really, 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 really bad uh, and off here. So again, first instance, uh, heading over to C3 TV, here is uh, Simon McIntyre being interviewed regarding his um, under-the-table checklist, checklist, under-the-table uh, checklist of things that he uh, you know, is uh, engaging up-and-coming leaders uh, for at the uh, C3 movement. Here we go. You have a reputation, and, and we've talked about, um, particularly when you're discipling people as they're rising in leader, leadership and they're going to be taking on more responsibility, of, of really um, getting into their world and having conversations, not just doing Bible studies, but having conversations about key areas yes. of their life. Yep. What, what sort of key areas of people's lives do you go into? Okay, well, I've got myself a checklist, John. Okay. I sort of keep it under the table. Uh, the old administ- now, a little bit of a note here. I told you he said this is an under-the-table checklist now if i you know if you have a friend you know and a friend says you know i've hired an illegal alien and they're, they're doing my yard work and uh, cleaning my house and the friend goes 
What are you talking about? You can't do that. That's illegal. You can't hire an illegal and undocumented immigrant. That's against the law. And they said, don't worry, I'm paying them under the table. You'd realize that uh, your friend is uh, engaging in illegal activity. That's a bad thing. Under the table is bad. It's not good. It's, you know, so this is his under the table checklist. And see, immediately just something's something, something's wrong here. Australia comes out. Yeah, but I refer to it. Mm-hmm. So I ask them, um, and I don't ask a lot of people this, yes. but I'll st- I'm going to start doing it again a bit more. Yes. So I'll talk to them about their marriage. Yes. I'll talk to them about their their sex life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's weird. I'm an ordained pastor. Yeah, I went through the whole process of you know becoming a pastor, including the background checks and. And everything, and never once in any of the process related to me presenting myself to be qualified, me being qualified, uh, me being interviewed, me being ordained, and never during the process did anybody ask me about my sex life. This, This is weird. I don't want to know details. I'm glad to hear that. I don't want to know details because I I doubt that many of them would live the life I live. Um, So it would create tremendous jealousies. Um, So I talk to them about the things that matter. You you say you ask them about sex life. Are you talking frequency? Yes. Right. Frequency. Okay, now we're going to do a little pause here because I'm creeped out. All right, so in his under-the-table checklist, then that's how he describes it, uh, up-and-coming leaders, th- he pulls this checklist out, and on the checklist is frequency of sex with your uh, spouse. Okay, and we're going to see if that's a biblical qualification, by the way. Titus chapter 1, nice, succinct list here of the qualifications for a pastor. Uh, Paul writes to uh, uh, Titus and says, This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained in order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, check. Husband of one wife, check. His children are believers, check. Not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination, check, check. Uh, for an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach, check. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard, check, check. Or violent, check. Greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. And he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and to rebuke those who contradict it. Check, 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 check. Didn't see anything in there about frequency of sex with your spouse. And I'm pretty sure if when I was going through the ordination process, had somebody asked me how frequently my wife and I were intimate together, I would have told him it was none of his business and that that was an inappropriate question to be asking any Christian or anybody. That's... Unless, of course, you're you know you're a marriage counselor or something like that. This this is not only not a biblical doctrine. This is mm, red flags, sirens going off. This is sick. Something's really off here. And 
Yes, yeah, not technique. No, no, that's a bit weird. That, but I'll just yes. Uh, um, what would I, yeah, uh, technique questions would be uh, as weird as frequency questions. Both of them are out of bounds. Be concerning to you. Uh, if somebody says to me, and I, I, this is concerning me, if if a young couple yes. say we um, have sex once a month, mm-hmm. I'm worried. Right. So I'm thinking two things. They're both. Oh, it sounds so pietistic. Oh, I, if, if if we have a young couple and they're only you know being intimate once a month, well, I, now I'm worried for them. It's none of your business, and this is not a biblical qualification for being a pastor in Christ's church. It's His church, not yours. You know. Why are you prying into these young leaders' sex lives? Something's off here. They've got jobs that mm-hmm. make them very tired. Mm-hmm. I think they have to consider their careers. Mm. Okay. Yep. What's more important, mm-hmm. your fabulous career mm-hmm. or an excellent marriage mm-hmm. that mirrors Jesus and the church? Beautiful. Think about it. That's a deep theological that, position. It's a huge, it? yes. Mm-hmm. No, there's, there's nothing deep about this. This is prying. This is out of bounds. This is not a qualification for pastoral leadership, and it's none of your business. So just really, really, really creepy, weird here. So know this if you have any friends who uh, are attending C3 and are considering leadership positions and they just happen to be in the general vicinity of uh, Simon McIntyre, that they they can expect to be uh, asked very intimate questions regarding um, for, uh, their sex lives, especially regarding frequency. And now this is a new qualification for pastoral leadership. You've you got to be getting it on a lot. Uh, otherwise, uh, yeah, you're probably not qualified to be a leader. Mm-hmm. All right, moving along, we're heading over to the Trinity Church. This is Reggie Dabbs, and the, the, the name of the sermon is Take It Off. And all throughout this segment of the sermon we're going to be listening to, he's going to be engaging in just double entendre speak of a sexual nature that is so far off that, you know, all of your warning signals should be going, danger, there's something really wrong here, flee, run, this, something's off. And because this is not appropriate for any human being let alone somebody preaching a sermon. Yeah, listen to this. Somebody say, all right, all right, all right. Hey, look, go ahead and sit down. Go ahead and sit down. Get your Bible. Go to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Look at somebody and say, take it off. No. No, I, I, yeah, I, I can't think of a single time not even one time, uh, as a pastor preaching a sermon to tell the people in the congregation during the sermon to look at their neighbor and say, take it off. Yeah, this is so wrong, it's not even funny. Come on, look at somebody on the other side and say, hey, take it off. Come on, y'all got to go with me tonight. It's Wednesday. We're almost there. It's hump day. Yep, yep. I mean, we got to get there. It's hump day. Yep, yep. Take it off. See what I mean? We made it. We made it. Look at your neighbor. Touch him and say, we made it this far. We're going to make it the rest of the way. Look at somebody one more time and say, hey, take it off. No, I will not be doing anything like that. This is not appropriate in Christ's church. 
Mark chapter 10. All I got, look at me now. All I got, y'all, I just got one Bible story. Now, a little bit of a note here. He's going to attempt to stick the landing here and, you know, you know, make it so that you understand why he's saying take it off. But the problem is this, is that none of the commentaries that I've looked at uh, validate the point that he's going to be making from Mark 10. I've looked at actually quite a few of them, several dozen of them. None of them have made that point. But, uh, you know, we'll talk about that in a, you know, as the this thing unfolds. But we're just going to note along the way all the really creepy sexual innuendo stuff here that's... Mm-mm. No, 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 something, something ain't right here. But it might help you. I'm just saying it might help somebody. Mark chapter 10, verse number 46. One more time, just touch your neighbor and say, take it off, neighbor. No. No, I will not be touching my neighbor and saying, take it off. Maybe you just need to leave because you don't seem to understand what is appropriate and inappropriate, not only in society, because this isn't even appropriate in society. This is a, it, totally out of bounds in Christ's church. Touch your other neighbor and say, take it off. Here it is. The Bible says in verse 46 of Mark chapter 10, Jesus and the disciples went to Jericho. And as they were leaving, they were followed by a large crowd. Everybody say a lot of people. A lot of people. A block- Again, note the, the saying something and then saying to people, say this. That's an emotional manipulation technique for the, that's designed to lower your um, natural, your brain's natural alarm systems. A blind man by the name of Barnabas was sitting on the side of the road, verse 47, when he heard that Jesus of Nazareth was coming. He started shouting. He started shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Have pity on me. Now stop right there. Okay, now look, everybody. Look at Reggie. Did y'all hear the song that the that the, they sang right before? They, y'all sang his name a lot tonight. There's a man named Tozer. He said, Christians don't tell lies. They go to church and sing them. Obviously, Tozer never visited this church. I'm just saying, because guess what? If we believe what we sang tonight, everything's going to be all right. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, everything's going to be all right. Now, here's what I like. Here's what I like. Now, look, I'm going to give you something. Because some of you, some of you church people, y'all good church people, you're like, oh, blind by the mass. I know this story. I know. But do you really? Are you open for a little something, something on the side? Yeah. Um, I may be a little rusty on current idioms and slang and statements like that, but I'm 100% certain that saying something, something on the side is a way of describing an adulterous affair. Are you ready for a little something, something on the side while having everybody turn to their neighbor and touch them and say, take it off? Run. Something's really Creepy off here. Let me back this up. Listen again. But do you really? Are you open for a little something, something on the side? No. That that's called adultery. 
Somebody touch your neighbor and say, take it off. No. This has just gotten even creepier than creepy. And look, I'm going to tell you tonight, I'm not keeping you long, but I believe God has something for us on this Wednesday night. I don't think, I, I don't believe in chance. I don't believe it just so happened. I believe you were predestined to be in that chair that you're sitting in. More emotional manipulation here. Right now, in this room with me. Not that I'm something special, because I ain't nothing special. I'm a lot of special. But you know what I believe? I believe God has a word. The music set this night up. Everything. When I get there, <laughs> just one more time, say, take it off. When he heard that Jesus from Nazareth, he shouted, Jesus, son of David, have pity on me. Verse 48. Many of the people told the man to stop, but he shouted even louder. Okay, I like that. Okay, now look, if I'm blind, and I hear Jesus is coming by. I already know the stories. You know he made crippled people walk. He made deaf people hear. You know that brother can spit on the ground, make mud balls, put it on your eyes, and you can see again. So what did he have to lose? Absolutely nothing. So he heard of the stories. Then he heard that he was there. So all he had to do was get the brother's attention. Sometimes all we got to do is get his attention. He knows where you're at tonight. He knows what you're going through tonight. Yeah. Um, scripture makes it clear. That Christ is our mediator between the Father and us. We don't have to get his attention. We have it as Christians. It's, again, something really off here. Let's take a look at Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10 and the story of blind Bartimaeus because uh, we're going to I'm going to key you in onto the you know the point that he's going to try to make here and um, I'll give you the findings that I found while searching scouring my commentaries on this and I have a pretty extensive library of commentaries and uh, and just note ahead of time where he's going and why he's saying to people take it off so here's Mark chapter 10, verse 46. They came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples, a great cl- uh, and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, have you ever heard the phrase, Kyrie eleison, Lord, have mercy? Yeah, the Kyrie this it's it's kind of based in this in this text uh lord have mercy kyrie uh, eleison lord have mercy it's a prayer and so this is a prayer to jesus son of david have mercy on me and we as christians we can pray that same thing kyrie eleison lord have mercy on me lord have mercy i'm in need i you know i can't pay my bills or my my body is not well or my neighbor is sick or my child is in danger you know th- th- Lord, have mercy, Kyrie eleison. This is, a, this is a good prayer. So Jesus stopped and said, call him, and they called the blind man. Now, they, by the way, they, tell, they rebuked this fellow, telling him to be silent. But uh, when they told him to be silent, he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Now he's you know, kind of raising his voice. So Jesus says, call him. And he, they said, take heart, get up, he's calling you. And so throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Now, this is the portion verse 50 
where it says, throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Now, Reggie Dabbs is going to make the claim, and so I'm preempting him here because I'm sorry, but the, the creepy stuff that he's engaging in, um, you know, he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt with me uh, on this stuff. He's going to make the claim that in you know the time of Jesus, in order for somebody to have a license to beg, they had to purchase or own a particular cloak, and that this cloak was his license to beg. I've scoured my commentary library and have found no commentaries that can substantiate this claim. Not one. Now, if somebody wants to produce that commentary and show me the scholarship to back up the claim, I'm open to that. I'm I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I'm saying in my library, which is quite extensive, wasn't able to find a single instance where any biblical scholar or New Testament scholar of any repute said that the, his cloak was his actual license to beg. And so he's going to make a big to-do about how he threw off his cloak, and that's why he's saying, take it off. Okay, because, you know, it, the, this cloak supposedly represents something in your life that you're supposed to throw off. So you'll know kind of the Jesus there. But let me finish out the story. So Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Immediately he recovered his sight and he followed him on the way. Now, a little bit of a quick question. The name of the blind man was what? And you go, Bartimaeus. Right. You'll note there's kind of an interesting thing that happens in the New Testament, especially like, you know, in the Gospels. When we have the name of the person who was healed or the person who participated in something, oftentimes the reason why we know their name is because they were part of the early Christian community of the church uh, after the resurrection and ascension of Christ. And so we have every reason to believe that's the same with uh, blind Bartimaeus. You think of the fellow who helped Jesus carry his cross. His name was Simon of Cyrene. Well, it turns out he became a believer and was a Christian, and the Christian community knew who he was. That's how come his name ends up in the gospel accounts as the guy who carried the cross of Christ, because he ultimately becomes a believer. Same with Bartimaeus here. He's a believer. He has faith in Jesus Christ, and they know exactly what his name is. Uh, and it so gets recorded in this text. Uh, just uh, th- thought I'd throw that in there as a little bit of an extra note. Now, all that being said, let's go back to our creepy sermon here, titled Take It Off. As Reggie Dabbs is telling us this story, but also engaging in some really, really, really inappropriate and creepy, weird <clears throat> talk during the sermon. All you got to do is get man's attention. And how do you do it? Say his name. Say his name. Touch your neighbor and say, take it off. See, there it is again. No, I'm, no, no, no. Touch your other neighbor and say, take it off. No. Hey, y'all, I ain't got a lot of time. I gotta get done because Papa Do's closes at 10 and I gotta get there. I'm hungry. I need some red beans and rice. Y'all know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm just saying. Brother gotta eat. So he's yelling, Jesus, son of David, have pity on me. Jesus, son, blind Bartimaeus. See, Jesus, son of David. And people are looking at the blind man going, shut up, blind man. Shut up. Really? They better be glad I wasn't blind Bartimaeus. Because they would have had to add some scripture up in there. Because if I'm blind and you're telling me to shut up, you know blind people got a cane, right? I 
tell you right now, I'll be swinging my cane. They go, shut up, blind man, Shimon, shut up. <laughs> then it would have read, it would have read, blind blind man said, Jesus, son of David, have pity on me. The people said, be quiet, blind man, be quiet. Then Jesus had to heal the broken nose. He had to stop the bleeding from the ears. Because the blind man went cray cray up on them people that day. See, people are always going to try to shut you up. Okay, can I just say it? Listen to me. Don't let people stop you from what you got to do. They didn't have to live in your house. They don't know where you came from. They don't know what you... Yeah, this is narcissism. Uh, this text is an example of prayer. The application would be, we cry out to Christ, Lord have mercy on us. But you're not in here, and, uh, and you shouldn't expect... People trying to shut you up the way they shut up blind Bartimaeus. That's not the point of this text. You had to do to get here on Wednesday night. They don't know what you're facing tomorrow. They don't know. So guess what? Sometimes you got to ignore the voices and scream out for your Savior. Somebody touch your neighbor and say, take it off, bro. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. No, it still creeps me out. Say, little girl, take it off. Mm-hmm-hmm-hmm. Little girl, take it off. Run. Something's way wrong here. We're going to get there, y'all. We're going to get there. Bible says he shouted all the more. Word. That's good right there, isn't it? They're like, blind man, shut up. You go, Jesus! And they're like, we told you to shut up. You go, Jesus! And I love it. (laughs) He wasn't going to stop. I love it. Jesus stopped. Look at verse 49. Just two words. Jesus stopped. If he stopped for Barnabas, he can stop for you. If he stopped back then, he stops today. Jesus stopped. And he said this. He said, call him over. Jesus said, call him over. So watch this. So the people, it's probably the same dude saying, shut up. (laughs) Isn't that like the people right there? They want you to be quiet, but then when God starts moving, they're ready to jump in. No idea what he's talking about. But I guarantee you they won't outbless what God has for you. Because you brought the brother. You gave him the invite to walk in the room. Oh, come on. That's a whole nother sermon. I better stop right there. Did you know every Sunday you can be the invitation God needs to change someone else's life? That's why we need you in the house. Somebody touch your neighbor and say, take it off. No. No, 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 no. Touch your other neighbor and say, you got to take it off. Keep it on. Keep it on. Watch this. They called out to the blind man and said, hey, don't be afraid. Come on. He's calling you. I bet that blind man took his stick again. And he's like, "Uh, don't be touching me. You're the same one told me to shut up. I know the sound of your voice. Hello? (laughs) Verse 50. The man threw off his coat as he jumped up and he ran to Jesus. Let's just stop right there. Now let's finish it. Verse 51. Jesus asked, 
Jesus asked the man, what do you want me to do? Can I ask you a question? Now look, it's a large crowd. There are already a large crowd, right? There's some people everywhere. Jesus like, stop and says, bring him to me. And he jumps up, don't he? He just jumps up and he takes his coat off and he starts going to Jesus. You know, if you blind in a large crowd, you bumping into stuff. You like probably stepping on a baby. You like running into a horse going, excuse me, ma'am. I mean, you're, you're hitting stuff, and it's just like, I'm sorry, my bad, ma'am. <laughs> oh, nice hair. I love that. <laughs> he, he just, and then Jesus, when he gets to Jesus, Jesus looks at the blind man. And then Jesus is right here, and he's like, yes, Lord. And Jesus goes, what do you want me to do? You just watched your brother say hi to a horse and call it a woman. Step on two babies, and he's looking at your ear. And you asking him, what does he want you to do? Hey, never be afraid to ask. Never be afraid. Jesus, save my children. Call it out. Speak it into existence. Yeah. um, We don't speak things into existence. Blind Bartimaeus didn't speak his healing into existence either. He humbly asked Jesus for his request to have his eyesight recovered. Bartimaeus didn't speak it into existence. That's exactly what this blind man did. No, it isn't. He goes, Jesus goes, what do you want me to do? He goes, I want to see. I want to see. Verse 52, Jesus told him, you may go. Your eyes are healed because of your faith. And he could see. That's a beautiful story. And that's what everybody preaches, but... When I was in um, college, I used to play saxophone on the street corner. Police didn't like that until I got a license. So literally, I'm on the street corner before the cops would come, hit their horn, whoop, and I'd just take off running after I picked up my money. I had to pay for Bible college, y'all. I'm just saying. Some of you are like, you're in Bible college running from the police. Mm-hmm. God can use anything. I'm just saying. Finally, I got back to the dorm one night. I'm sweating. I'm like, what's wrong with you? I had to run, dude. I had two cop cars tonight. And he goes, why don't you just go get a license? I went, what are you talking about? So just go get a license. Go downtown, apply for a street license, and you can play on the corner. So why am I running? So I went and got a license. It was cool. And the police came and put money in my case. A license. This story, it's the coolest thing. Did you know you had to have a license back then to be begging like that? Um, I'd like to know your source. Because in my entire commentary library, I wasn't able to find a single New Testament scholar talking about the need to have a license to beg. At this time... In this place in the Roman Empire. But they didn't have like we have now. It wasn't something you put around your neck so the police could see it and go on. It was a coat. So you go in front. I don't know how they did it. I don't know. Maybe you went down to the courthouse back then. And you stand and they go, what do you want? He says, I want a license to beg on the street. Why? Because I'm blind. And then the guy comes up and goes, oh yeah, he's blind. (laughs) He didn't see that coming. Here's your license. Here's your coat. Thank you very much. Now, I know, I know some of y'all are looking at me like really strange right now, but trust me, we're going to get there. So now, now, if we back up this story, knowing that that coat that he took off 
was his whole life. It gave him the reason to beg. And the Bible says that when God said, bring him to me, that he stood up, took his coat off, and went to see Jesus. He was still blind when he took his coat off. He decided, okay, y'all with me, is anybody going there? Some of y'all already there, but let me just take you there. You know, he decided if Jesus is going to call my name, if Jesus is going to stop for me, I don't know what he's going to do, but here's what I'm doing. I ain't never coming back here again. I'm taking this off. Somebody say, take it off. Yeah, so now you uh, know the punchline as to why he was saying that. But here's the thing. I have an extensive library of biblical commentaries, research tools, and I couldn't find a single commentary, not one, to back up what he just said. Now, if you know of a source on this that'll back him up, I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I'm just saying I couldn't find it. Isn't that weird? So um, for 12 minutes, Reggie has been telling everybody there to take it off because it's, you know, hump day. Little girl, take it off. How'd you like a little something-something on the side? Yeah, like I said, this is, um, th- this is the kind of stuff that ends up in my creepy category in my database, and that's the reason why. And so uh, I, my general policy is uh, when there's smoke like this, there's a good chance there's a fire underneath the surface. Run. It's, something's really, really off. Don't mess around with pastors who think it is totally okay to um, talk about sexual things in this way. Because... Again, something's really off. All right, I'm going to go disinfect and take a shower or something because, man, that was just awful. And uh, while I'm doing that, we'll uh, pay some bills. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com or you could subscribe on Facebook facebook.com forward slash pirate christian follow me on twitter my name there at pirate christian quick break when we come back we're going to be checking in with john gray and one of the most bizarre narcissistical twistings of scripture i've heard in a while stay tuned don't want to miss it we'll be right back this might feel like theological waterboarding but you'll get used to it you're listening to fighting for the faith This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. I've had enough of this sissy, frenzy, turning photo written music you have the audacity to call worship. Men, put this entire girly praise band in the boo box. Let's wheel in the organ and get some real worship music underway. Ye be listening to Pirate Christian Radio.
Ends. Marty Python's Flying Circus Church. Welcome to Build-A-God. How can I help you? Hi, I got this Build-A-God certificate from a fellow co-worker, and I came to check it out. Oh, that's nice of your friend. You must be excited. Well, uh, what exactly are we doing here? Oh, you silly man. We're building your very own deity. I don't feel comfortable doing this. Seems sort of like blasphemy. Oh, don't be silly. Everyone does this. Let me help you. First off, you decide whether your god is male, female, or unisex. Well, the Bible talks about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it also says that Jesus was circumcised on the eighth day, so he has to be male. You? Okay. Next, we have to define the attributes of your God, like whether he's loving, kind, or compassionate. Well, in the Bible, God is just, he's merciful, he's righteous, and he's wrathful, all at the same time. Okay, then... Well, what is your God's take on sin? He fully condemns it. It's pretty obvious what God thinks of sin. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Humanity's only hope is in the blood Jesus shed on the cross. Are you saying your God doesn't accept gays? Don't think so. God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah with hellfire and brimstone because of it. I don't think he has a very high opinion of it. Could you excuse me for one moment? Sure. Hello? Can you get me the mall security? Thank you. <laughs> Sir, I would be a religious terrorist here. <laughs> yes! He's a closed-minded Bible believer. <laughs> yes, I'll distract him while I wait for your men to arrive. Thank you. And exactly how do ye know that she be a heretic? She be endorsing the health and wealth heresy. Does he be speaking the truth? Jesus died to make us rich. (laughs) And what exactly do we do with heretics? Oh, we throw them in the boo box. No, no, no. We preach the gospel to them. What if, um, the heretic doesn't repent? Then we throw them in the boo box. (laughs) To err is to heretic. To R is to pirate. Get yourself over to www.piratechristianradio.com forward slash Refermanda and purchase yourself a copy of the game Refermanda and join the fight for the faith today. Hey everyone, it's Rex here to tell you about a product that I use on a daily basis. It's Coffee by Gillespie. It's Delicious. It's got the caffeine you need to be a functioning member of society, and it's, it's coffee. 
There's all sorts of different blends to choose from that are themed alongside the church calendar. So not only does it taste insanely good, but it's also liturgical. Somehow. All you have to do is order it online at gillespie.coffee, and it'll arrive at your door in a convenient, resealable bag filled with either whole bean or pre-ground coffee. I personally like mine as whole bean because it goes so well with milk. Yeah. Now that's what I call a balanced breakfast. So head on over to Gillespie.coffee and get some. That's G-I-L-L-E-S-P-I-E dot coffee. Rex out! Warning, listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to think that it's inappropriate to ask a young couple who's thinking about pastoral leadership how often they have sex. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you, your generous gifts, financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith 2 into the world, and you can partner with us. It is a partnership. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you will see our three friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. The other says become a patron. When you join our crew, you get to pick your rank in our crew. And uh, lowest rank is Powder Monkey at $9.95 a month. After that, Gunner's Made at $24.95 a month. From there, Master Gunner at $49.95 a month, and then Quartermaster $99.95 a month. Joining our crew is a great way to support us. If you'd like to become a patron on Patreon, click on the Become a Patron button. If you'd like to make a one-time contribution, click on the Donate button. If you would like to support us the traditional analog way, you can do so by making your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344. Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. Moving along. Oh, it really doesn't matter what I do, what, what I, I do, do, as long as, as I do it with a flap. What effect a little smoke is with a dash of hocus pocus and the scent of burning sulfur in the air. I'm a fraud, a hoax, a charlatan, a joke, but they love me everywhere. For it really doesn't matter what I do, what I do, as long as I do it with a flare. That's right. It doesn't matter what I do or what I say as long as I do it with a flare. We're heading over to Relentless Church. And uh, this is where John Gray holds court. John Gray, who came from Lakewood all the way out there to Relentless, has been there for a year. And the name of the message, it, it's, it's unbelievable when you think about it. This is jaw-droppingly bad, Narsa Jesus, by the way. Uh, the, the name of the message is When the Ravens Come. And he's going to take a descriptive text that is describing a historical account and somehow read you into it as it relates to the prophet Elijah from 1 Kings chapter 17 and how God fed him using ravens at the brook Kerith. And um, 
And what he does with this, I it's 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 um it's a circus. It's pretty bad. So let's get to it. Uh, here's John Gray uh, when the Ravens come. Here we go. First Kings chapter 17, starting at the first verse. And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand. Now, a little bit of a note here. It's a good thing to begin your sermon with the biblical text. This is most certainly true. The job of a pastor is to preach the word. So we will give, we will award John one point <laughs> because he's reading a biblical text at the beginning of a sermon, which should be what's going on here because uh, you got to exegete the text. And so, but the problem is you have to exegete it. Tell us what's going on, what's really happening here and what God has revealed there for us to believe, to confess, or to do. And uh, and so he he correctly reads the text. And that's the most of the word of God that you're going to hear in this thing. Because <laughs> no sooner does he read it, I mean, he takes his uh, church four-wheel driving off into the wilderness here. But we continue. And there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, get away from here and turn eastward and hide. Everybody say hide. Uh, that's an emotional manipulation technique. So when a pastor says, now everybody say hide or say this or say that. The purpose of this particular emotional manipulation technique is to lower your brain's natural defenses so that you, you know, rather than having skepticism, if you obey the command of somebody like John Gray, John Gray said this, and you did it, do it, and you do it, then your natural ability, your natural warning system psychologically goes down because, well, if I'm obeying this guy, clearly I can trust him. Yeah, that's how this technique works. By the brook Kerith, which flows into the Jordan. And by the way, that's not a bad pronunciation. Kerith, yeah, you got to get, the, you got to roll your R on that. Not bad. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook. And I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the brook Kerith, which flows into the Jordan. The Jordan is a river. It's something you have to cross over in order to go from where you were to where you're called to be. <laughs> what? <laughs> where are you getting that? So, so, oh, so the Narcissus has begun, and this is really awful, Narcissus. This is like a, a really bad fan um you know copy if you you know when you when you mimic somebody uh, of like Stephen Furtick and TD Jakes combined uh this is what he's doing let me back that up because wow he 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 immediately went off into the weeds uh, let's 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 relive the moment shall we Peace, which flows into the Jordan the Jordan is a river it's something you have to cross over in order to go from where you were to where you're called to be the Jordan is a place of decision death and destiny 
<sighs> Who says? Jordan, a place of decision, death, and destiny. You yeah. got to decide to cross over. You got to die to who you were. And you got to be determined to walk into the thing you're called to be. But before you cross the Jordan, you might need to drink from a brook. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I, I'm not doing that. I, I've heard you can get Giardia that way. You know, I, I, no way. Nuh-uh. Yeah, not unless I have some way of, like, purifying the water or something, you know. And so I've commanded the ravens to feed you there. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And it happened after all. That's right. Because Elijah drank from a brook. You too have to drink from a brook. This is nonsense. While that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Yeah. And I want to speak prophetically, not only to this church at the one year anniversary. So this is a one year anniversary of uh, John Gray being the lead vision casting leader out there at Relentless Church. And I think they changed their name when he got on the ground there. Um, yeah, okay. But I, I think Ron Carpenter was the pastor there before him. I also want to talk to any mothers that might be raising children, trying to figure out how you're going to meet all of the needs of your household. Perhaps you are coming from a, a, a marriage and there's a two-parent two household and children and you're still trying to figure out how to pay bills. Or perhaps you're a single mother and you're trying to figure out how to meet the needs of your house and to do the things that are in your heart to do for your children, but you don't know how God is going to do it. This word is for you. I believe this word is for any entrepreneurs and business owners. <laughs> what? Hey, 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 hang on a second here. I would like to re-examine the text in question to see how it <laughs> applies to entrepreneurs. I, you know, a little, um, all right. So, uh, we are first Kings 17, man, this is bad. So Elijah, the Tishbite of Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab, as Yahweh, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain in these years except at my word. And the word of Yahweh came to him, depart from here, turn eastward, hide yourself in the brook Kerith, which is east of the Jordan, and you shall drink from the brook that I've commanded, the, and I've commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> he went and lived... By the brook Kerith, that is east of the Jordan, and the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And while the brook, after a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. I, I'm an entrepreneur. I don't see the application at all. I also believe this word is for anybody who feels and knows that they are called to a significant place of authority in the kingdom of God. So if you're suffering from delusions of grandeur regarding authority in the kingdom of God, 
This thing's for you too. There are moments when God has to hide you and provide for you via supernatural resource. (laughs) So those of you with supernatural authority on your life, God may be hiding you right now. You need to find your, your brook. And don't worry, the ravens are on their way. Right. And so I want to tell you that God's about to send provision from unexpected places. And the title of my message is when the ravens come. Thank you for the nine people that are enthusiastic about the word. Because it's absurd. (laughs) Now the question is how many people there are going to start to give in to the pressure to embrace this as some profound message these are pearls falling from a portal in heaven there on the people there at relentless church and when he announced he announced the title when the ravens come like nine people went yeah because <laughs> they don't understand a thing you say because this is not lucid this is not exegesis this ain't what the bible says what is this no, it's all right. No, 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 it's cool. Some of you are like, that's good. I don't know what you're talking about, but it's... Right, that's pretty honest of you. I'm glad you're able to read the room but like that. Good. I'm glad because I want you to grab this and I want you to write these things down. <laughs> Writing it down ain't going to make it lucid. I'm just saying. When the ravens come. We are a one-year-old... Oh, man. So when the ravens come. Now, he's going to go on a multi-minute tirade regarding something going on there at Relentless Church. So I'll fast forward a few minutes to where he actually gets back to the biblical text. The, 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 from minute three to minute you know, ten, it's kind of an in-house discussion there, and uh, I thought I'd spare us that. You know, They, they can deal with that in, internally. We'll come back to the <clears throat> public preaching of the word here. And uh, so here's John Gray again taking a crack at this text. God appoints a voice. Yeah. And Elijah was that voice. So Elijah speaks this word. It says not gonna be it won't be any rain. Any rain. Yeah. Except at my word. That's right. Then the Bible That's what the text said. The Bible says the word of the Lord came to him and he said, Head east to the brook called Kerith, and I want you to sit there, and I am going to provide for you. I'm going to provide for you. And here's what's deep. He was there about a year. Everybody say about a year. What the text doesn't say how long he was there. Anniversary is this for us. So it's the one year anniversary of John Gray arriving at Relentless Church. And see, Elijah, he was at the brook Kerith. Some say. We don't know who those some are, but some say for a year. I mean... This is divine providence, clearly. This is total manipulation. It's been about a year since we started this journey, a little over a year. And some uh, theologians believe it was about 14 months, maybe, that Elijah was fed by ravens. Everybody say ravens. And he drank from a brook. And, and why is this important? Yeah, that, that, that is a good question. Why would that be important? I don't see an application here. 
At least not the way you're working it. Because once Elijah spoke the word, he offended so many people that they wanted to kill him. Well, he, he, well, let's explain in what way Elijah offended people, shall we? Uh, So here's kind of the idea, is that Israel has fallen into idolatry. Hook, line, and sinker. And Jezebel is queen, Ahab's king, and Jezebel is killing the prophets of God. And the prophets of Baal are all the rage, you know, in Israel at the time. And Baal isn't even a real god. Nope, he's, yeah. Lights are on, no one's home. In fact, he hasn't even paid the bills. We're not even sure how the lights turned on. We think that somebody snuck in and made it look like he's there, but he's not. Uh, you know, read chapter 18 regarding the showdown between Elijah and the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. But as the mythos goes, Baal is the God who brings the rains. Baal is the one who brings the rains and causes the, the crops to grow. And, and he is the one who blesses the people with food. And so you'll note here that Elijah as Yahweh has commanded him, says, it ain't going to rain till I say so. And this is to prove a point. And that is, is that Baal is powerless. Baal ain't a real God. And so it's not that he offended people in the sense where you said something scandalous. How dare you, Elijah? No, no, that's not what went on here. What went on here is, is that he was claiming that Yahweh is the one who brings the rain, not Baal. That's the point. And so, yeah, you kind of get what's going on here. So what John Gray is doing, this is narcissism, but this is absurd narcissism. This is like, this is ridiculous it, it, when you really consider how he's doing what he's doing. There are people who don't like you, and it's not because of anything you've done. It's because of what you said. It's because of what you represent. You represent a prophetic move of God. It's not that you... They- what? <laughs> you, you represent a prophetic move of God. Okay. They just don't like you on your job. They know now that you're there, something has to shift. And the, and the spirit that was in the building before you got there can't stay there now that you're there. What? (laughs) Oh, so some of the people at your church are like prophetic kryptonite for the demonic realm. Right. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, that's what this text is about. Sure. When you walk down the hallway, demons have to leave the building. Oh, good night. (laughs) Yeah, he's filling these people's heads with other nonsense. Like I said, delusions of grandeur. Yeah, this is just feeding people's narcissism. When you step into the meeting, that demon spirit can't stay in there. So you offend people by your presence. Wow, it sounds like the people there at Relentless Church are a lot better at spiritual warfare than Jennifer LeClaire is. Because, I mean, they just walk into a building and the demons flee. Yeah, poor Jennifer LeClaire, when she fights the Jezebel's daughter spirit, she, it takes a year. Yeah, bummer for her. And I don't want you to get upset because people don't like you. It's not they don't like you. It's not that they don't like you. They don't like the God that's in you. I need you to take a few seconds to just worship the Lord. 
um, what am I worshiping him for exactly? Because of how amazing I am? Uh huh. Something's got to break in this 11 o'clock service right here. Oh, yeah. This theology is already broken. Yeah, that already happened, dude. Yeah, something broke already. Yeah, as soon as you <laughs> talked about the Jordan, yeah, this, this whole message got broken. There are people that just genuinely, every time they see you, it's almost like they want to hit you, but it's not you. You haven't done it. All you did was say hello. How do you? There is something about your spirit that makes devils nervous. <sighs> Man, no, no repentance, no forgiveness of sins, no Christ in him crucified. Not, you know, the whole story of Elijah, especially chapter 17 and 18, are about idolatry and calling people to repent of their false gods and the things they worship. Yeah, the God that's being worshipped there at Relentless Church and relentlessly so is the God of your ego. Mm -hmm. Something about your spirit that makes principalities unhappy. And you are exactly where you need to be. You're sitting there like, well, should I quit? Should I move? No, you're right there. Stay by the brook. Stay by the brook. <laughs> what if you don't live anywhere near a brook? I've never drunk from a brook either. I, what is this? Stay right where you are, because God's about to send the ravens. <laughs> well, then, yeah. God's going to send the ravens. Uh -huh. Isaac, I need some help in here. I need a couple people to push me through. There's... There's a supernatural provision. They need people to push him through. It's somebody giving, giving birth to him. Oh, boy. Coming for the people who are placed by God in strategic locations. Many of us have been medicating our pain, fighting with things that have been literally holding us hostage. And I need you to know that the wound that you wish God would heal is the exact thing he's allowing to keep you close to his heart. And so stop asking him. I have no idea what he's talking about. But there, there are people on their feet and they're just... Whoa! This is a, he ain't saying nothing! He's just saying it with passion, man. And to heal it, he's not going to heal it. He's going to work through it. Oh. <laughs> little theatrics there. Mic drop. Mic drop. Some kind of a mic drop there. He's walking away from the podium after dropping the mic on it, man. Oh, he's wringing his hands now. He said, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. You've been asking the Lord to take that addiction away. Take the taste of liquor away. Take that away. He says, I love you too much to take it right now. Because if I took it right now, you think you could do it in your own power. And if I took it and you, and you functioned in your calling, you would think that you were good. But I need to work through you even while you're broken so you know that I called you even in your mess. I called you even while you were broken. I called you even before you were finished. I called you and I haven't Change my mind. I'm sending the raven. 
quote the Raven, nevermore. I, I, I don't know what that was. Nothing, nothing he said has anything to do with what that biblical text is about. Like, there's, I mean, he read the text and then off he went into oblivion. He took everyone with him as they dove over the cliff and careened into the fires of hell. But they were quite excited on their way down. So, quote the raven, nevermore. So what'd you think? Love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you could do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ, his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen. <laughs>